Well, good morning, and welcome to our Resurrection Morning Service. I'm so glad I can join you and be with you today, and it's just a very unusual time with everything going on, but this is one of those things where we can join together and do something that binds us together, that makes us realize what this season is all about, and ultimately realize that Jesus Christ is triumphant over everything. That's what I love about Easter. It is that reminder that Jesus is triumphant over everything. Now, in reality, that requires faith from us. And as I was thinking about this, I realized that faith is not something that really comes naturally. I mean, we are prone to believe in the things that we can see. And God comes along and he says that we need to believe in the things that we cannot see. And we cannot see God. We cannot see so many things that God requires that we believe in. And yet, as we do believe, we understand that we begin to see and we see what God is doing. And today, as we're dealing with so much going on in the world, this global pandemic that has just occupied so much of our thought space, it's so easy for us to just meditate and think upon the things that we're seeing in the news, the things that we're thinking about, our fears, and we don't realize just the power that God still has. God is doing amazing things right now in the hearts of people. People are spending time together like they haven't spent time in their homes like in a long time, maybe never. People are thinking about things that perhaps they've not really ever thought about. And so I believe God has a purpose in all of this. But as I was thinking about this, I also realized that, you know, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they were in sort of a weird space too. They didn't believe that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. Even though he had told them over and over again, they didn't believe it. They were in this state of just despair because of the circumstances that they saw. Everything that they had hoped Jesus would be to them, the Messiah, the King, sitting on the throne of David, giving them freedom over the Romans, all of that was dashed the moment Jesus died on the cross. And so they were just sort of scrambling. What do we do now? And that is what we enter into here on Resurrection Morning. In Luke chapter 24, we're told that now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now the women were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, mother of James, and other women. They came to finish what they'd started on Friday before the sun went down. It was a very involved process to prepare a body for the tomb. And so they came early to finish the job. And really, this was just an expression of their love for Jesus to, to finish it out. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, they knew that this stone was sealed by the Romans, that it was a huge stone. It was on an incline. It was in a groove. There was no way that they could ever move it. And yet I, I love the spunk that these ladies had, right? It didn't stop them. They were going to go and they were going to do what they could do. But on the way, they're like, how are we going to do this? You know? And so they, but they get there 
And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it has been aptly said that the, the stone was not there to let Jesus, it wasn't moved to let Jesus out. It was moved to let the women, and then later on, Peter and John, who also went to the tomb, it was there to, to let them in and show everybody that this miracle had happened, that God had done it, and uh, that Jesus was no longer in the tomb. So it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the, the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Now, you know, they, they go into the tomb. Suddenly these guys show up, these two men in shining garments. And obviously they recognize them as angels because they're just, they're down on the ground immediately before them. And the first thing that they say to them is, hey, why are you, looking for the living among the dead. Don't you remember what Jesus said? And I think that is something that we all need to think about. You know, the fact was, if they had been listening, if they had really believed what Jesus had said, they never would have been there. They would have been just partying up, waiting. Hey, Jesus is going to show up someplace. We don't know where, but we're glad, you know. They wouldn't have been looking for the living, resurrected Jesus in a dead tomb, right? In a tomb that's for dead people. But they weren't really believing everything that Jesus said. And that's why the angels said, hey, you're looking for the living among the dead. But you know what? Don't we do that? Don't we look for that which is living among dead things? Things that are dying, things that will not exist forever. We're looking for our life in those places. We're, you could say we're looking for life in all the dead places, okay? That's so often what we're doing. Because this world is ultimately going to pass away. But the real life, the eternal life, is the things that we cannot see. And that's... The only access into that realm is through faith. Just like for them. The only access into the realm of, of looking for the live Jesus in where he really was going to be was through faith. So they remembered his words when the angels said this. Now that was the aha moment. You know, it was just like, I don't know if you've ever like, if somebody's ever told you something, you just didn't pay any attention or, you know, you weren't really listening or whatever. And, they, and then they, they remind you, hey, remember I said this? And it's like, oh, yeah, aha, right? It was one of those aha moments. Yeah, we do remember that because before, every time Jesus started telling them, you know, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified. And then on the third day, I'm going to rise again. It's just like they, they just checked out. They didn't, it didn't compute to them. And so now... They, they realize, aha, this is what he was talking about. And so we are told that they left the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to go tell the other disciples. 
We pick it up then in verse 13 of Luke 24. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while he conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Now, (laughs) have you ever been just so filled with ideas and stuff and emotions that you, you have to sort out? My wife talks to me about this. She says, let me just tell you something about women. And I'm always ears because there's so much I don't know about women, right? But she'll say, women need to process stuff, you know? And so, and so I become the, the process E, the one who, no, I'm not the process E. I, I listen to the processing, okay? Um, because they're just sort of talking it out. Well, guys do this too. And this is what these two guys are doing. They were like trying to figure all this out. Wait a minute, you know? What were we just deceived when we thought that he was the Messiah? And, and what does this all mean? You know, he, we thought he was the Messiah and now he's gone. And, and what, what are we to do with this? They were just trying to work it out. And, and at that point, while they were doing this, um, Jesus drew near to them. But now Mark tells us that Jesus actually appeared in another form to these two as they were in the country, you know? And and so it was like Jesus was just sort of coming to to just watch and observe and interact. And, you know, he hid himself from them. So they didn't know it was him. Now, I would like to think about this for just a second because do you realize that the Lord is always present with us? He's always there, just like with these guys. He, he's always there. You say, well, I'm in the car. You know, I'm alone. No, you're not. You know, David said, where can I go to flee from your presence? You know, no matter where I go, you are there. That's the omnipresence of God and Jesus is God. So, you know, he's there observing, watching, listening. He'd probably like to interact more if we were giving him opportunity. And this is kind of what was happening. But Jesus was just sort of, listening to what they were talking about. And, and he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? <laughs> you see, this should have been the happiest day of their life. If they would have only known really what God was up to, if they would have only known that this stranger that was somehow just sort of you know, came into their conversation was really the Lord. It would have changed everything for them. But instead, because it was hidden from them, they were sad. And think about that. Think about how many times that we are sad because we have partial information. We only see what we see. And what we see seems like bad news. And therefore, we become sad because we're sad over the bad news. But if only we knew the rest of the story, right? And so Jesus pulls this out of them. You say, hey, guys. Now really the ultimate thing here, you, you realize that every time the Lord is working in our lives, the thing that he wants to bring out more than anything else in us is what? It's faith. He wants to bring out faith in us. 
And so he's drawing this out, drawing this out of his two very despondent disciples. You know, what are you talking about with one another while you're so sad? And the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? This would be like somebody saying, what do you mean? What, what's coronavirus? What's that? What are you talking about? You know, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Where have you been? Haven't you seen what's happened? You know, don't you know that Jesus was just crucified on Friday? Where have you been? And so, so they said, so he said to them, well, what things? Now Jesus asked them, all about this because, you know, he, he cared about him. He loved him. And he wanted to ultimately reveal himself to them. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our own rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they also had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb that would have been Peter and John, and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Now we know actually when the women came back and told the guys, they just, it all seemed like idle tales to them. They were just like, what? What are you crazy women talking about? You know, none of it made any sense to them. Because why? Because they weren't believing. And so they just pour out their hearts. They pour out their story. They, they pour all this out to to him and and it was just like it was almost just like the breaking of a dam you know you, you this thing of uh, all this pent-up emotion and and everything just blah you know what does it mean what do we do now and so jesus said to them oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Jesus didn't pull any punches there. You know, you, you foolish people. <laughs> slow of heart to believe. And you know, wasn't that the thing that Jesus was, you know, sort of on his disciples about quite a bit? Oh, you of little faith. You know, how, how much more do you need to see to, for me to prove to you that I'm in control? It's okay. Things are going to work out. And, and, and so he said, you're so slow of heart to believe. Notice here, he didn't say you're slow of heart to believe in the empty tomb or you're slow of heart to believe in what the, the women told you. Uh, no, no. He said, you're slow of heart to believe what the prophets have spoken. And he said, it, didn't it have to happen this way? The Christ had to suffer according to the scriptures. And he, and he would be raised from the dead according to the scriptures. Paul would point that out in 1 
Corinthians chapter 15. It all happened because the prophets, Moses, all throughout the Bible, it all said that it had to happen this way. And Jesus was, was really rebuking them for their lack of faith, not because of the signs that they didn't believe, but because of the prophets that they didn't believe, you see. God wants us to hold him to his word, to realize that his word is the final say. His word is the final determining factor. It's the, it's the ultimate reality, you see. And so that was why. And they didn't exercise faith. Now, I've titled this message, Unstoppable Hope. And the reason is because the hope that we have. Now, first off, when we, when we talk about hope in the Bible, we are talking about a joyful, confident expectation. It's not like, oh, I, you know, invited Mario over to my party. I sure hope he shows up. It's not that kind of hope. Of course, Mario would show up to any party, so that wouldn't even be a problem. But anyway, um, so the, the hope is a joyful, confident expectation is going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to happen, but we know it's going to happen. That's the hope of the scripture. And so why I call this unstoppable hope is because even though at this point, the followers of Jesus were despondent, they were in a pit of despair that seemed hopeless to them. And folks, there's a lot of hopeless people today. All of this stuff that's going on right now is shaking people up. They're losing their loved ones. They don't know if they're going to contract this deadly disease. They, there's a lot of hopelessness right now. But we need to understand that God is a God of hope. He's always a God of hope. Even in the midst of catastrophe, he's still a God of hope. Because if you know him, you got the ultimate hope. You're going to be in eternity in heaven. If you don't know him, well, this is the time to come to know him so that you might have that unstoppable hope because nothing can stop the hope that God has. Nothing can stop the resurrection hope that was revealed on this day. So The reality of it is, is that our hope is based upon God's promises. You know that it is, people say, well, you know, could God ever make a, a rock he couldn't move? You know, it's like people always have these like brain teaser questions, right? Okay, but here's one thing. It is impossible for God to lie. Is it impossible for God to do something? Yes, it's impossible for him to lie. He cannot lie. He's a God of truth. And therefore, anything that he says in his word is going to happen. It will absolutely happen. And so Isaiah 46, 11, it says, Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. And see, if they had been listening to the prophets, if they'd been listening to Jesus... Jesus also said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. If they'd been listening to the word of God, then they, they would have had hope. They would have had joy. You know that hope and joy go together? They would have had peace. Well, 
Luke 24, 27, and beginning at Moses. And all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now, this is a message I would love to have heard. Okay? He started with Moses. Well, uh, you know, Moses uh, is credited with writing the first five books of the Bible. So we're talking about starting in Genesis. I, I wonder if he, if, you know, we don't know everything that he was pointing out. I mean, there were so many scriptures he could have pointed out that were pointing to him, that were pointing to what had to happen. But, but say that he started in, in, you know, Genesis chapter three, where God said, hey, the seed of the woman is going to crush the serpent's head. And he is the seed of the, of, of the woman, you know, uh, and that he was going to crush Satan's head. Uh, could it be that, that he, he went and, and, and talked about Abraham, when God told Abraham to take his son, his only son whom he loved, and sacrifice him on the mountain where he would show him. And, and as Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son Isaac, God said, stop, Abraham. I know that you love me and that you would not withhold even your son from me. And then Abraham after that said, hey, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. He spoke prophetically. And there in that same mountain is where Jesus would be sacrificed. God spared Abraham's son. God didn't spare his own son. Maybe that's what Jesus was pointing to. There's so many things. Probably went to Isaiah 53, you know, and talked about that where it says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, Christ, the iniquity of us all. As I said, there's so many prophecies Jesus could have pointed to. This thing of fulfilled Bible prophecy just is a slam dunk. I'm making the case for Jesus. Let me just tell you that. It was Henry Lydon, an English clergyman who lived in the 19th century. He is credited with the statement that there are 332 prophecies that Christ fulfilled. The mathematical probability that all of these could be fulfilled in one person by sheer chance alone has been calculated to be a factor of one in 84 followed by 123 zeros. That's roughly the same probability as marking a single electron, smallest particle of the atom, hiding it somewhere in the universe and then picking it randomly on the first try. Ain't gonna happen. It's very, very clear that the prophecies spoke clearly about Jesus being the Messiah, taking our sins upon himself, suffering in our place, and raising from the dead, rising from the dead on the third day. And no wonder Peter said, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Folks, let me just tell you, you know, I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what kind of sorrow you may be dealing with what sort of hopelessness you may feel, what sort of fear or panic you may be going through. But as Peter said, we have this sure word of God made certain. 
And if you will trust God, if you will take God at his word, if you will believe that God is your provider, God is your protector, God is your strength, God is your healer. You know, I'm not saying you don't still practice, you know, we're practicing social distancing here today, right? I'm saying you still do your part, but you ultimately trust God and his word. And he will see you through. He's seen me through every challenge I've ever faced. He'll see you through because he will always be faithful to his word. Well, when they drew near to the village where they were going, he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, and he blessed, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. What a meal this would have been, right? Now, isn't it interesting that, it, you know, they, they said, come on, come with us. So Jesus did, you know. I don't, I don't know of any dinner invitation Jesus ever refused, by the way. But there he is. And, you know, and, and he takes the bread, he breaks it. And as soon as he breaks the bread, it's like their eyes are open. They recognize this is Jesus. And I find that very interesting. That it is there in, in, the, in the breaking of the bread. Of course, there's a lot we could look at there. The breaking of the bread. You know, Jesus said that this is my body broken for you as he would celebrate communion. In the breaking of the bread, their eyes were open. But I think, you know, I think just this thing of, of just the communion that they had with Jesus. You know, eating together, breaking bread together, it speaks of communion, of fellowship. And that's where their eyes were open. Folks, listen, we've got some extra time perhaps right now where we, you know, can stay a little bit at home more often than we've been able to. This is a time when we can draw near to God. The Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You say, well, I don't know if I believe all this. Listen, if you spend time in fellowship, seeking God, he said, if you seek me, you will find me if you look for me with all your heart. This time of communion, when you spend time just seeking God, that's when you're going to see him. Your eyes will be open, you see. He'll give you the eyes of faith. You'll realize that he cares about you, that he loves you, and he has a plan for you. And that's what happened to them. Now, after Jesus left, they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Didn't you feel that? You know, it's like they were like comparing notes here. Yeah, when he started like talking about Abraham, you know, and all this, it's like, man, didn't your heart just burn inside of you? This is what you call holy heartburn, okay? It's when the word of God is coming alive because the spirit of God is just pounding it through your soul. And you realize that's real, that's true, that's God. And, and didn't your heart burn? Because Jesus was bringing it to life. He was showing them, look, you guys, it's okay. God's on the throne. He's bringing to pass everything he said he would do. Look up, trust him, have hope. 
So I think if ever we needed this resurrection hope, it's now. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Love that verse. Why? Well, first off, God is a God of hope. He's a God of hope. And he fills us with joy and peace. How? Through believing. Listen, you're never going to experience the indescribable joy. You're never going to experience the perfect peace that God has for you until you first believe. You believe. Even in what you cannot see, you believe in the word of God. Why? Because God has brought it to pass. You believe in the resurrected Christ. Why? Because there's no body in the tomb. You believe. And as you believe, God gives you joy and peace. He gives you hope. He's the God of all hope. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't you know that the Lord wants us right now in spite of circumstances that we're going through that maybe seem dire, don't you know that God wants us to overcome? You see, Jesus overcame sin and death and the devil. He, he overcame it all. He wants us to overcome whatever this world may throw at us, whatever Satan may throw at us, whatever sin may throw at us. He wants us to overcome. We can overcome through his power, through his grace. But if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, if you've never yet met him, if you've never yet asked him to come into your life and change you from the inside out, then, then all of this seems just like a fairy tale, right? You have no capacity to accept these things. You're like these two guys walking to Emmaus and, it, and Jesus could be right there, but they don't, they don't recognize him. It isn't until that mysterious work of God's spirit opening your eyes to the things that God has said and you realize this is true and you believe it and you ask God to come into your life, Jesus to come into your life and then it all makes sense. Then your eyes are open and then you're filled with joy just like these guys. Notice here, they started out very sad. They ended very joyful. What was the difference? Jesus came and opened the scriptures to them. And gave them hope. And he'll do the same thing for you. Listen, I don't know if you've ever come to know Jesus personally. If, if today you were to die of this coronavirus or go outside and get hit by a car. I mean, anything could happen, right? The one thing that this has all caused us to realize is how fragile life is. And how important it is to make the most of every day that we have, especially with those whom we love. But the reality of it is, is that you can have the confidence and the assurance that whatever happens to you in this life, that you're going to go to be with Jesus in a better world. Why? Because Jesus came, he died on the cross, he became sin for you. He took your sins upon himself. He took my sins upon himself. He paid the price in full so that we could know that we are absolutely forgiven and set right with God. And God wants you to have that assurance. 
He wants you to have that peace. He wants you to have that hope. And all you have to do is just admit that you have sinned, that you've broken the holy law of God. The Bible says if we break it at one point, we're guilty of breaking the whole thing. And then to believe that God sent Jesus, his son, because he's a just God, sin must be dealt with. The wages of sin is death. Christ died in your place. And then to simply repent of your sins, to say, I don't want this. This is killing me. This is no good. It's just hurting me. It's hurting others. And, and to turn from that and, and trust God to help deliver you from those things. And then finally to ask Jesus into your heart and into your life and, and realize that he comes. He comes as the best friend you can ever have. He comes as the ultimate friend uh, to help you through whatever decisions you have to make. He wants to be there for you, just like he was with these two followers that he loved. He wants to be there for you too, and he'll be there. He said that, that behold, he's with us even till the end of the age. That's what he wants to do for you. So if you've not yet received the Lord, I'm going to give you an opportunity here to just, I'm going to pray with you uh, to receive Christ if you would like to do that. And if you do know Jesus, and you're just struggling right now. I mean, this is a weird time, right? But understand that wherever we're at, God is there. Even though our world may look differently than it's looked in resurrection days past, God is present. He's with us. Spend time with him. Break bread with him. Let him, as he said, you know, I stand at the door and knock. If you, if you, if you open the door, you hear my voice, you open the door, I will come in, I'll eat with you. We'll fellowship. Have some times of fellowship with the Lord and let him build up your soul and your spirit. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence, God. We thank you for the story of the gospel, your amazing love for us, the amazing love of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came and died in our place on the cross. And Father, I pray for anyone here watching this today that does not know you, does not maybe know that they know you, that today would be the day that they receive you. Lord, that they say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need you. Help me turn from my sins. Come into my life and change me. And Lord, just by praying that prayer, Lord, I know that on the authority of your word that you will come. You'll, you'll write their name in heaven. You'll change their everlasting address and give them a heavenly hope, a hope that shall not perish ever. We thank you, Father. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that are just walking through this time, Lord. We pray, God, that we would be aware that you have a great purpose for each of us through all of this. Lord, help us walk by faith. Help our faith wax strong. Let us get stronger than it is even now. Lord, as we go through this, we pray that we would grow in unstoppable hope and that we would be agents of that hope to a needy world. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to stay tuned because we're going to have an opportunity where you can just let us know that you prayed that prayer or if you have any other needs that we can help you uh, via this uh, social distancing environment, there's something we want to send to you. 
as, as a gift, our gift to you on this Resurrection Day, this Easter. So God bless you.